So we're going to be reading today from 2 Chronicles chapter 15. So if you could turn with me or, you know, you pull up on your phone, 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We're going to be starting at verse 1 and going to verse 9. Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Starting at verse 1. The Spirit of God came to Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Assyria, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the lands of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who had settled among them. For the large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Let's say our scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Lord Father, we pray for you today. We pray today, Lord Father, that we are able, Lord Father, to see your, your great mercies and grace and blessings pour upon our hearts today. As we hear, Pastor, Lord Father, let us hear you and let us connect with you, Lord, in a way where we're able to not only transform our minds and renew our heart, but also get closer to you, Lord, and be able to, Lord Father, surrender to you. Help us be humbled. And help us, Lord Father, leave today where we can walk in your presence and be a blessing not only to our, our, our families and the people around us, but to others, Lord Father, so that they may seek you as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I always feel very humbled having the opportunity to share God's word, period, but especially on a day like today. Um, knowing that uh, there's so much to say on July 4th, so much to talk about when it comes to our country. Um, and uh, if you are here, this is your country. And I'm excited to be able to share some things from our history today. 
I don't always do this around July 4th, but with July 4th literally falling on this Sunday, I have the opportunity to share a little bit about some of the history of the country and how God has had his hands on it uh, in so many ways. And I want to be just up front right off the bat and just tell you, I'm going to be sharing some things from history. I'm not a history teacher. It's very clear. Um, I am not even what I would call a history buff. I'm kind of a history fan. Buff would assume that I know more than I do, so just refer to me as a history fan, but I am definitely excited about sharing some of the things that have happened in our nation's history that show how God has had his hands on the things that are going on. Now, I just want to say before I get started, please keep your Bibles open there to 2 Chronicles chapter 15 if you have an opportunity or leave your phone there um, because we will kind of be referring back to that and also the chapter after in just a few moments. And I'm going to try to hit this very, very quickly because to be honest with you, um, I know that there are burgers that are waiting us. And so I know that I'm not the main attraction today, but let's, let's try our very best to be spiritual and enjoy God's word this morning. And then we'll go enjoy the hamburgers and enjoy the fellowship. And man, I've missed you guys. I hope that even if you're not staying, I hope you'll stay long enough for me to get an opportunity to say hello, uh, share who I am. If you're here, uh, if I don't know who you are, please come and introduce yourself. Love the opportunity to get connected with you. And for some of you, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm ready to get connected to you guys as well. Uh, So please be a part of that in just a few moments. There's a great book called Seven Miracles um, That Saved America. And it's a very interesting book. It's uh, also available on Audible. If you're interested, it's written by Chris Stewart and Ted Stewart. And uh, they both kind of collaborated on this book. Um, I didn't get the nine compact disc version. I know that makes me feel very old as I'm looking at that. I actually have the Audible version. But there's some really good stuff in this that comes from our history. It kind of dramatizes it as well as sprinkles in the facts and how God was at work in all a lot of different ways that were incredibly important from the founding of Jamestown Colony in in Virginia to things that happened with George Washington, which is kind of where I'm going to focus today, but so much, so much that God has done in our country that reminds us that he had his hands on this country for his purposes to be accomplished here and among its people. Let's go to this next slide here. It's our something to learn. And I just put this instead of something to learn because it's not straight from the Bible, but it's something to consider. Just how many people in all of human history have been truly free people? I want you to think about that for just a quick second because democracy is not something that has always been. You can go back in the ancient world and until Greece and Rome kind of took their place, there were just king after king after monarch after monarch, and there was no such thing as a, as a common man like me or you having a say in government. It just did not work that way. And in many ways, there's still that kind of ruling class in the government that kind of says exactly what will and won't happen for people like us, and we have no say in that. And you may be feeling that way in some ways. Uh, it seems like there's too much you know, corruption. There's too much of the political machine going on. But I'm here to tell you, I don't know of any other place where all of the things have been solved. I mean, we've got things that we've been dealing with from our history, whether that's uh, you know, from our far and distant past or even in the last few weeks and months. Whatever it is, things are not perfect in our country. I think we can all agree with that. But I would also say that you can sometimes lose the forest for the trees. And if you think there's a perfect place somewhere else, maybe you can tell me because I don't think it's out there. 
The truth is, is that what we need to do is we need to roll up our sleeves and say, wherever we have come from or wherever we find ourselves in the place where our hearts are, it is our opportunity and our responsibility as Christians to roll up our sleeves and make this place that God has brought us the very best that it can be and the one that reflects his values and his truth as much as we possibly can. I believe that is the salvation of our country as well as any country. If you looked back in what Peter just read a few moments ago from Second Chronicles, there was a man that rose to power and his name was King Asa. And as King Asa came to power, he did not come to power with things being perfect. And as he stepped into that role in a monarchy, he decided that he was going to pursue God's values and he was going to actually act upon them. The problem for many of us in our world today as Christians is, is we believe God's truths and his principles, but we don't take the time to actually act on them. Or we give ourselves way too much leeway to be a person who feels that way, but we don't actually move in that direction that God is leading us. And so we have to consider that we have a better opportunity than almost anyone else in all of human history. If you begin to really crunch it down and figure it out, there are probably about less than 5% of people who have lived all throughout human history that have the freedoms that we have and we enjoy. And you can even look at that in our modern world. As modern as it is, there's still lots of tyranny going on. And by the way, it's not just tyranny from the things that are going on in the government or the, you know, the equivalent of the White House somewhere else. I want to go to this next slide, and if you kind of look at this, this is seven tipping points that saved the world. And actually, crud, I wish you could see it because I put in there the, uh, the things that were happening at different points throughout uh, human history. And one of them is a perfect example. The Mongols, how many of you guys have ever eaten at Genghis Grill before? Let me see your hands. Anybody ever eaten at Genghis Grill? Y'all know what that's named for, right? Genghis Khan from way back in the day. From 1200 uh, A.D. Look at that. All right, man. Right on it. Yes, very good. Thank you. The defeat of the Persian Empire at Thermopylae by the Greeks, or also you might have heard, this is Sparta, when I mentioned that. I'm not sure. Uh, the Mongols failing uh, in their attempt to conquer Europe at approximately 1210 A.D., or Constantine's conversion to Christianity approximately 312 A.D. All of these are tipping points that pushed our world into a vein of freedom that we probably take for granted. But if these things would not have happened, we might not live in the world that we live in. It's seven tipping points that save the world, written by the same guys that I just mentioned about that first book that I threw up. So here's what I want to just remind you of, and you look at this next slide here, I mean, the truth is, is that oftentimes in Mexico, drug cartels are the ruling class. They're not in the White House there, but they say what goes and what doesn't go, right? We know this, we understand this, and it's like this in other countries as well. And some are the, the monarchy's house, and some are the, the criminal element that have been given too much free reign. It's estimated between 45,000 and 55,000 deaths just in that small time frame. They're the ones running things in Mexico oftentimes, even when someone else is kind of ruling, if you'll allow it to be said. And so you cannot forget that we live in a place where safety is a given and an expectation. 
It's something that we don't have to worry about whether or not a newspaper article comes out and names names for people who have done wrong and then wonder if that journalist or if that reporter will still, still be alive tomorrow. And I know that some of you, some of you have come from some of the countries where the criminal element is running things. I've talked to a handful of you. I know one person in particular who told me beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe that God brought me here to the United States to save my life. I believe with all of my heart that if I were not in the United States right now, I would probably be a dead man. And I don't believe that it was any kind of hyperbole. It was true. And so there is so much out there going on in America that we can find fault with, but it is also a place where you have an expectation of the opportunity, the safety, and so many things that we take for granted. And we need to be grateful to God for the things that he's given us and just remember that ultimately, even though there are things that are broken in our society and in our system There have been things that have been broken in all kinds of places all around the globe all throughout the centuries. We've been talking about Queen Esther, and we've been talking about Hitler and Haman. So if we go to this next slide, you can see whether it's Hitler, whether it's Haman, there have been things that are going on in people's uh, circumstances that prevent them from living the life that they want to live. And so let's not take for granted what we have. Now, very quickly... I'm just going to skip all the way down to God's caring about nations in Psalm chapter 33. And maybe you can remember this verse of scripture that we have often read in the past. It's there on slide. There it is right there. Perfect. Slide uh, right here. Psalm 33 verses 10 and verse 12. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. And then on down in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people that he chose for his inheritance. Let's be very clear. If you're a person who says, Randy, I don't know, man. I'm just not feeling it. I don't think that God cares about this nation over that nation. I don't think that God does these things. The truth of the matter is, is that he calls Israel his people. And he says very clearly in Psalm chapter 33 that he is involved in the nations and the path of their history. So don't ever forget that God is accomplishing his purposes in different nations and in different times uh, of human history. And I just want to say very quickly, one to remember that we've been talking about from the Esther sermon series, kind of the, the main and theme verse is Esther chapter 4, verse 14. You guys might have remembered this, but this is Mordecai who speaks up to his daughter, Esther, and he says to her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, that's a nation, by the way, the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that maybe you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And this brings me to the big idea that I want to share with you guys today. And it's just here. One person devoted to God's purposes makes a lasting impact on their world. If you, if you have not thought about it, there are so many individual people who rolled up their sleeves and said, God's purposes need to be done in our world and I will be an instrument of that change. There is one person in particular that's often called the father of our country. And I'm smiling right now because, yes, 
Chris Kaczynski, I am about to preach about your favorite president and not my favorite president, so here we go, but I still will not accept that even though this guy's awesome, he's still not the best. He's second best, and we will always have this disagreement, I love you in Christ anyway, even though you're clearly, clearly wrong. All right, so here we go. Kidding. Very kidding. Very much kidding. Okay, let's go to this next slide as we see here. This is Asa, the king, who rolled up his sleeves in the time of Israel and said, we're going in the wrong direction, and I have an opportunity as I step into this position to do what God would have me to do, not the way that things have been going. And so as you look at this, and I wrote there, it is condensed, but I want you to hear what Asa did. When Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. And then you go to this next slide, and it says in the next one, then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin, and notice this, and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had also settled among them for large numbers, had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord was with him. What you might be missing here is there was a, a, a place called Judah and a place called Israel. There were two separate countries at that time. They had divided. Just like our civil war divided us, theirs divided them. But what happened was when one man took the throne and began to say, this is what God's word says, and I'm going to live by it. There were people from the other country that said to them, we're going to leave this country and we're going to go to that country so that we can live in a place where God's principles are being observed. Do I need to say that again? Or are you guys with me? If y'all are with me, say amen. Y'all just want me to keep moving and I get it. All right. But here's the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that there are oftentimes corruptions in our government, but you probably have seen more in other places. You've probably seen worse in other places. We read these stories and we're like, how do people get away with killing somebody just because they were mad at them? How does a ruler get away with doing that in Russia? And yet it happens. And then the whole world goes, you shouldn't have done that. But nobody does anything. But then people are like, I can't speak my mind. I can't love this country because this country doesn't have room for me and for my opinions. I'm glad that you don't have to always think the same way as I do in this country to still be a part of this country. But it is awesome to see King Asa say, this is God's word. These are his principles. And even though it would be easier for things to just go along in the flow that they've always gone, I'm gonna stand up. And I'm not just gonna honor God's principles with my words, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and I'm actually gonna do something that honors God's word and his principles. And when he did, notice that they start coming to him and they say, we wanna be a part of this. Can I just, can I be honest with you? Can I just be honest with you? I, I'm very, very proud to be an American. And I believe that this used to be where we were as a nation. I believe that much of the world believes our nation to be more Christian than it is today. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Any of y'all agree with me? Y'all, uh, I'm out here on this, island, uh, on this island all by myself, all by the limb, sawing off my own, you know. Here's the truth. I've talked to some people. I talked to a gentleman that I knew from Iran. And I said, what was your take on the American experience when you came? He said, I expected a whole lot more people 
to be living a whole lot more godly life when I got here than I found. Because I think that the principles that we were founded on have ceased to be the things that we rally around. And some of the things that made us a great nation are fading. And I'm fearful that if we do not find a way to bring those principles back, we will not continue to attract the right kind of individuals to this place that say, I want to be there. I want to have that opportunity. I want to live in a place where I'm safe and I can raise my kids and they can have opportunities and all of these things. But instead, we're going to instead be going down the wrong path. They'll get here and they'll say, the American dream, here I come. And then they'll go, wait, what? This is the American dream? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm very grateful for our past, but we cannot let our past be our best days. Can I get an amen on that, right? Amen? We cannot. And that takes you and me standing up. Now, I promised you guys that I was going to move on and move quickly. Let me tell you about a man that God used in a powerful way, not as a perfect man, far from it, but he was a, the founder of our country. He was George Washington. He is Chris's favorite. Chris, wave at everybody so everybody knows this is the guy I'm giving a hard time. It's just so much fun to give Chris a hard time because he and I do this in private and public. It's awesome. But this is the guy. I've read this book. It's an awesome book. It's called His Excellency because they didn't know what to call him. He was the very first president. They had no idea. Or like, well, what do we call the guy who's going to be president? We don't know. And how long will he be president? We don't know that either. So they just started calling him His Excellency, which is the very same thing that they used to call them over in Great Britain, the people that we were in the process of fighting for our freedom. Interesting, isn't it? Well, George Washington was truly a man who was very, very unique in history. Let's go to this next slide, something that you may not have known about him. By age 27 in 1759, George Washington actually retired from military service. He got married and he'd settled down in his home in Mount Vernon, 1759. Do any of you guys remember when the Declaration of Independence was signed? Yes, you do. It is July 4th, and do any of you remember the, the year? 1776. So he was retired and out of the military when we needed a general. And notice, when he actually retired, he retired as a colonel from the French and Indian War in 1759. Let's go to this next slide, something else you may not know about him. He was in a battle in the French and Indian War where he had two horses shot out from underneath him. I mean, he was riding into battle, and somebody took a shot at him, missed, hit the horse underneath him. The horse died. He lived. It happened a second time in that battle. And then by the end of that day, he looked at his clothing, and he had four places that a musket ball had gone through his coat, but did not injure nor harm him in any way at all. Now, you can say that's lucky, and I know what you're thinking. Man, me and George need to go to Vegas together. Can I get an amen? I mean, that guy... Yeah. Why did he survive? I believe with all of my heart that he survived because he had the humble servant leadership and the steel and the spine to stand up when everything was difficult and everything was being done and figured out for the very first time. He is the father of our country. He is an amazing man, but not a perfect man. Let's go on to this next slide. That heroic youth, Colonel Washington, This is something that was said by Samuel Davies, a Presbyterian reverend, in a sermon. He said, that heroic youth 
Colonel Washington, this is well before he became our first president, who I cannot help but hope that Providence, Providence, you remember that word from the Esther sermon series, how God's fingerprints are all over the chessboard pieces and he's moving his pieces to accomplish his purposes. We call it divine providence. I cannot help but providence has maybe preserved in such a signal manner for some important service to his country, this young colonel named George Washington. This young man preserved so that he might become the father and the founder of a country where God's principles would be lived maybe in a different way than it had ever been lived in the past. Now, very quickly, one other thing that you may not know about uh, George Washington. Washington was the origin of no more than two terms as a president. It was an unwritten rule until the 22nd Amendment passed in 1947 and then was ratified in 1951. In other words, from 1776 until 1947, nobody who was elected to the office felt worthy of the office for more than two terms because what happened was at the very height of his power, at the very height of when he could have taken advantage, President George Washington said, I've served two four-year terms and now I'm done and someone else can take this role and responsibility. Now, hit the pause button for just a second. I don't know about y'all, but I don't know any politician today that would do that and voluntarily walk away when people were begging him to stay. Stay. We'll pay you whatever it takes. Please be our president for all time. George Washington said, no, it is bigger than one person and it is bigger than me. That's unique, isn't it? That's a powerful thing. And so part of why I love Washington is not just the fact that he stepped down, but here's what I love and you may have missed it. Don't, don't miss it. Um, there was an unwritten rule. That means nobody had to write it into law, but because his shadow of greatness loomed so large and cast such a long shadow that people said, if Washington couldn't serve for more than two terms, I'm definitely not that man. Do you understand? That's a powerful kind of example that you affect the next generation and then the next and the next for almost 200 years just because of the example that you set. It's a powerful thing. How does somebody become like that? I don't believe that Washington was so successful because he was so great. I believe that Washington was successful because God had a plan for him and he was willing to be the instrument for God's good. Now, very quickly, let's go to this next slide, and I'm wrapping up very quickly. You've probably read this passage of Scripture. We read chapter 15 just a minute ago. In one chapter over is 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7 through 9. We're going to go through these next few slides. Boom, boom, boom. At that time, Hanani, the seer, that's the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. And then he said, on the next slide, We were not the Cushites and the Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And then the next slide, the final one here. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. 
that King Asa that started off early in his reign and gave his heart fully to God, later on in his reign, ceased to do what made him and his kingdom great. So it ain't just a modern phenomenon. You guys understand what I'm saying? It is not just something that happened way back in the day or just today. It's human nature. We forget that we have been blessed beyond measure. We forget what we have to be grateful for. We get so caught up in the negative that we forget to praise God for the many positive things that we have. And Asa who was relying on the Lord, relying on the Lord, relying on the Lord, and people were flocking to him, and he was seeing incredible things happen, finally got to the place where he just simply took it for granted that things were always going to be the way that things had always been. And then he started relying on the structure and on the things that he was doing and ceased to rely on, y'all finish it, the Lord. He ceased. And then when that happened, the seer, what did he say? You've done a dumb thing. That's the Texas version, all right? Foolish sounds better, but he basically said, you messed up. You shouldn't have done this. And because of this, the war that you're fighting is one that you're never going to quit fighting. Never peace again in Ace's reign. I just want to say that because I want us to grasp and understand that that passage of Scripture for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him is both a promise and a warning. Do you see that? It's a promise. If we are fully committed to the Lord, he will bless. But it is also a warning that if we are not going to allow ourselves to be fully committed to the Lord, the Lord may pull back and say, you had your chance. And even when things were going well, you got away from the things that made you the nation that you were. Here's what I would say. I'm not here to be political. I'm not. If you notice, I haven't said a single word about party, but I'm here to tell you that in our world, we are going away from God's principles. And when that happens, we cease to be the nation whose God is the Lord, as it says in Psalm chapter 33, verse 12. I wish I could change the nation and piece by piece, I believe that we can. But can I just say something? We need to quit worrying most about the nation and worry most about ourselves. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we as God's people have turned our back on his principles in our own lives far too many times to blame it on somebody else. I, now, I know I ain't going to get an amen on that, but that is true. Because for most of us, we don't follow the Lord and do what we know we should do we let ourselves off the hook, and then we wonder why our lives don't have that special something, that something different, that different feel and touch of God any longer. And if you go back and read what Peter mentioned early on in that verse that he read, he said, if you continue to be with the Lord, the Lord will be with you. But if you forsake the Lord, the Lord will forsake you. That's a scary thing. It is a promise, and it is also a warning. All right, very quickly, how do we apply this message? And then we're going to end with a great song called Do It Again. How do you apply this message? First of all, you commit to live for God in your time here on this earth. You may not be able to change things forever, but I have heard someone once say that a man who has lived for God in his time 
has then lived for all time. In other words, you have left this world a better place because you've lived God's principles while you were here. The second thing I believe that you should do is you should be grateful. No matter where you are, no matter what your country of origin might be, you are here. Let's be grateful for the things and the opportunities that we have. We know that America is not perfect, but we also know that America is a place where we can live for God if we choose to do so, and we should. Let's be grateful for that. And then third, let's never lose sight of our potential impact. The truth is, is that for you and for me, we can make a difference in our world. And most importantly, we can make a difference in the small place that God has given us to live, our family, our community, this part of Houston, Texas, whatever it might look like in your world, in your life. What a difference our world would make if every single one of us said, you know what, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to influence millions. I don't need to be a YouTube influencer. What a blessing and a relief. But I do need to be an influencer in my own household. I do need to be an influencer on my street. I do need to be an influencer in my church. And it needs to be an influencer who helps other people be influenced to do the right thing with God's principles at the very center. If all of us committed to do that, which we know we ought to be doing, what a different world, what a different family, what a different life we would all be experiencing individually right now if we all rolled up our sleeves and said, enough is enough. Taking second best is no longer enough for me. I instead want to be the man that God has called me to be. Two quotes very quickly as we end, as the kids are coming back in. This is Ralph Waldo Emerson, who bucks my theory of you got to have a really good beard to have any kind of really intelligent thoughts that last for a long time. He's kind of against that, but he does have some serious sideburns there, so that's positive. The purpose of life is not to be happy. Oh, wow. Man, not in 2021. Everything's all about, I just want to be happy. No, no, no. He said, the purpose of life is not to be happy, it's to be useful. It's to be honorable. It's to be compassionate. It's to have made some difference that you have lived and lived well. What a powerful reminder that a purpose of life is a life of purpose, not just simply of happiness. And then JFK, one other, one other uh, president that we can mention, one person can make a difference and everyone should try. No matter who you are or what your circumstances change those circumstances and bring them towards God's plan and his principles by living the very best life that you can and committing your heart to the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we end, we are grateful for the nation that we live in. We're grateful for the heritages that you have given and brought into this place, so varied and so different and so diverse. And yet at the same time, Lord, we all want the same things. We want to see you glorified. We want to see principles of God's values shown in our world. And Lord, may we all give ourselves fully and wholly to the things that you desire to see done in our world. May we be the people who roll up our sleeves and accomplish your purposes and your kingdom. Lord, may our history be your story. We want it to be about you And we ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.